0: Hey everybody and welcome to church. My name is Nick Clayson. I am one of the pastors here at Parkview. So glad to have you with us. Hey listen, next Sunday, uh, April 10th, is going to be a mass baptism service. If you've never been to one of these services, it is an incredible experience. If you're used to watching online and you live within close enough proximity to be at one of our physical locations, and you're ready to take your first step of baptism, we would love to invite you out to experience these mass baptism services. And maybe you've already been baptized, it's also a great service to be a part of and witness and watch as people are taking their steps in their faith. And that is one week before Easter, and easter at parkview.com is where you can get all the information that you need. We have multiple services across multiple campuses, And maybe even you can send a friend there to experience Easter with you this year. We're super excited about Easter and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Again, so glad that you are with us for church today. Glad you made it. We are about to head to worship at our Orland Park campus. And after that, we'll be hearing a message through our series, continuing on in the unbelievable series talking about Jesus. Again, thanks for being here.
1: Well, what's going on Park View? Good morning. So excited to see you guys today. Would you stand and sing with us? Come on. It's a joy to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Come on. We shout out your praise. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be, cause he opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, my God, he holds the victory. We were the best.
2: take a quick seat. Uh, we're going to continue worshiping our God today through communion. Hopefully on your way and you grabbed one of our communion packets. If not, I'll invite you to go out by the doors and do that now. And as we head into this Easter season, it got me thinking of what did that first Easter look like? What did that whole experience look like for Jesus and his disciples? And it brought me to this passage in scripture where we kind of get dropped into a conversation between Jesus and his disciples He's explaining what's going to happen. And he says these words, there's plenty of room for you in my father's house. If that weren't so, I wouldn't have told you that I'm going there to get a place ready for you. And you already know the way to this place. And then Thomas, one of the disciples, the one that asks the questions that we honestly probably would have asked ourselves says, Jesus, we have no idea where you're going. How are we supposed to know the way? One of the disciples of Jesus asks that question and Jesus responds with those famous words, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. But friends, I think a lot of us probably come into a place like this today with that same question. Jesus, we have no idea where we're going, what this whole thing looks like, how we're supposed to get there, what I'm even supposed to do later today or tomorrow. What does this whole thing look like? What does it all mean? And if you're in that place, what I want you to know is that none of us have this whole thing figured out. And that's not what being here is all about. That's not what taking communion is all about. It's not that we have to have anything figured out or the why or the where, but the who that we're following, Jesus. And the fact that it didn't end at the cross, but it continued with an empty tomb and an empty cross and an empty grave that led to the resurrection of our Savior. And friends, communion gives us a chance to remember that that invitation is for here and now for us today. So I want to give you a moment to sit in that truth to prepare those elements. There's a thin layer for the wafer for another layer to access the juice. We're going to have some words up on the screen for you to reflect on. And in a moment, I'll come back out and we'll take communion together. And as he's getting ready for this whole thing to happen, he sat at a table with his disciples, those same disciples asking those same questions. And he said, take this, this bread that represents my body, take and eat. And the juice, which represents the blood that was shed for you, take and drink. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we can be together this morning. God, we thank you for your sacrifice, but God, as we continue to worship you, we just celebrate and rejoice in the resurrection in the place that you prepared for us far greater than this one. We love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship together?
3: Lord, I confess that I've been a criminal. I've stolen your breath and I sang my own song. And Lord, I confess that I'm far from innocent. The shackles I wear Oh, I bought on my own these scarlet sins had a crimson cost, and nailed my debt to that old rugged cross An empty slate had the empty Thank God that's stone let's just bow our heads and pray together uh god thank you so much for being our savior our king our lord uh we love you so very much thank you for loving us like you do for dying for our sin for rising again for giving us life hope and a future we praise you this day in the name of jesus everyone said amen go ahead and grab a seat
2: still can't believe they asked chad to lead worship and not me today but it'll be okay uh if we haven't met my name is kevin i'm one of the group's pastors around here for just checking this place out. You know how the whole church thing works. Uh, We are thrilled to have you here. My wife tells me I talk pretty fast. So any of the stuff that I tell you this morning can be found at parkviewchurch.info if you want a slow down version of the whole thing. Uh, I'm struggling a bit today uh, because I found out that I'm in last place in our March Madness bracket. And maybe you're in that same boat because you didn't prepare for any of those things to happen. I got one over here. And if that's where you're at, hopefully this could be a place that encourages you today. Uh, And also maybe on your way and you walk past these and you're wondering what the heck is going on at this place. Uh, These eggs are because Easter is approaching. And what that means here at Parkview is that Easter services are getting ready to happen. Uh, Just in a couple weeks, from Thursday through Easter Sunday, we've got plenty of service options for you to jump in and attend. And inside of these eggs are invites and some candy because this is our year of first steps around here. If you've seen that light wall, that could be a little blinding sometimes out in the lobby. The reason we have that is because those light bulbs represent people in our lives, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers that we're thinking, how the heck do you talk about faith or Jesus or church with them? The good news, all you gotta do is throw an egg at him and everything's gonna be okay. No, don't throw an egg at him, it'll be, but give him the invite. The candy in there's not for you. Jesus will know if you ate it, so make sure it all comes. Fill account. for I'm gonna give mine to Tim so he's not late to service and gets pulled over again this year. And uh, it'll be a good time. We hope to have you join us. And parents, maybe you're trying to figure out what is... Easter look like besides a bad dentist visit for my kids and what does an Easter basket look like? and how do you do this whole thing? Uh, if you want to stop by our Parkview family resource wall, we've got some great resources just to have some conversation with your kids around what Easter's all about. But also there is the ultimate Easter basket over there and a raffle to win it with some great books, some great resources. So without those doors in the lobby, we'd love to join you in doing that Easter with your kids. And also if you've got kids first through eighth grade, We're getting ready for another round of our Parkview One Athletic Soccer program. If you go to parkviewchurch.info, today is the final day to register, so jump in. We'd love to have your kids join us. And the reason we do all this stuff, the reason for all that Easter talk, is because we believe here at Parkview that we've got a mission from our God in bringing hope into this world. And a lot of you have probably been part of that and are affected by that in some way, and you're thinking, what does that mean for me? Maybe you've thought about serving before, but you don't know if that means that you're going to like sign your life over to us for every single Sunday for the rest of your life. That doesn't happen, I promise. If you want to partner alongside us as we celebrate this Easter season and bring hope to those around us, we'd love for you to do that by texting the word serve to 65649 or out by any of the doors. We've got these cards you can fill out. We'd love for you to jump in and join us in all God has in store. Or maybe for you, you want to partner alongside us in a different way this season in your generosity. You could text the word GIVE to that same phone number, 65649, and we would love to have you partner alongside us in all God is getting ready to do around not only this building, but this community in this Easter season. Well, it's great to have you here. Pastor Tim is here with a great message, and we are thrilled to have you here joining us. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the service.
4: Welcome everybody, welcome to you at Homer Glen, welcome at New Lennox Orland Park, and online. We're really glad to have you with us. Um, I, I hope you'll be with us next weekend, all right? Next weekend is baptism weekend. We're going to do a lot of baptisms, and if you've been thinking about it, um, the, the message is around Nicodemus. We're doing this chosen thing, and Nicodemus is the one who asked about being born again, and I'm going to explain all that from his uh, life, it really, really fun uh, portrayal of a guy in Chosen, and I hope you'll be here. And please be planning on Easter. I got, I'm got. i just going to spoiler alert a little bit for you. I was at the old Statesville prison this week filming inside death row, okay? Um, it was cold. It was spooky. It was creepy. And um and yet, there's something that, that went on in, that, in there, and something that relates to us as Easter, and a, and a plaque on the floor that's really gonna blow your mind. So just be planning on Easter, it's really, really important. Um, we're doing this unbelievable series. If you're new, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. Um, we're using the Chosen television series to kind of help us look at the first followers of Jesus and look at the life of Jesus and go from unbelievable Jesus to believable Jesus, okay? A- and we watch the first followers as they follow Jesus, and sometimes they do a good job and sometimes they don't. And they're always nervous about um, talking about Jesus around there. And honestly, 2,000 years later, I kind of feel like we're still the same way, all right? And Jody, a couple of weeks ago when she was preaching, she said our primary role as a follower of Jesus is to point people to him. Right? I don't know if you remember that, but, but that's the, the primary thing that we need to do. And a lot of times, we just mess it up. So w- whatever you do, don't do it this way.
5: Hey, Mark, excuse me. I'm on my way to 3768. Kind of got hung up. It's raining out here. I'm on my way into Dallas. Uh, thought, whoa, whoa. Man, I just had a wreck right in front of me. This guy ran a red light and hit, uh, hit four old ladies in, a, in an Impala. Just kind of clipped him and turned him around right in front of me, man. That was close. Oh, now this guy's getting out of his car. He got a, he got a white shirt on with a tie and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's throwing his hands up in the air like he, like like it was their fault. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on. He's going over their window. Oh man, she, I think she sprayed him with pepper, pepper spray, man. He's on his hand, he's on his face and he's on his knee. She's getting out. She's beating him with an umbrella. The other women are getting out too. <laughs> ah, that's one woman with a little black purse. she's time to him, man. She, she looks like a sunbelt 20, 20 horsepower jackhammer. We got another woman that's that's <laughs> She's hitting him like like she's got a cattle prod, man. She's got a she's got an umbrella and she's sticking it in inside. Oh, there's another one. It's a little woman it looks like Mother Goose. <laughs> She's got... Oh, she beat him. She beat him. She's got this huge big bag. It's huge. It's about the size of her. She's about four foot nothing. She hit him over the head. Everything went all over the place. Her Bible fell. She just hit him in the head with a Bible. <laughs> it went over her head. It, was, it was a hardback NVI version. She, <laughs> she picked this Bible up and raised it up above her head and just beamed the guy. This guy's not getting up.
4: <laughs> All right, please don't do it that way with your NVI version Bible, okay? Um, you know, I mean, but but, but the truth is, we know that we, we want to help other people find Jesus. We get that. But how do we do it? I mean, here's what we talked about last week. The final words, the last will and testament of Jesus Christ is, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. It wasn't talking to the clergy people because that didn't exist. It doesn't exist, okay? Okay. He was talking to everybody, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the last thing that he said to us. So that's our job as a church, our purpose statement, is to reach people who don't have Jesus, to raise them up to be devoted followers, and to release them back out to do ministry to help find more people to do it all over again. But, but how do we do it, okay? Jesus told Peter, I will make you a people fisherman instead of a fish fisherman. So how does that work? Well, I'm not a fisherman. I don't know if this is surprising to you. I'm not patient enough. I don't sit, you know what I mean? And my grandfather on my dad's side was a real outdoors guy. And I didn't find out until after he died. He lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I didn't find out until after he died and we were like divvying up his stuff to see who wanted what, that that he he was as cool a guy as he was. Evidently, he did a lot of hunting and fishing. And I didn't get to live close to him or be around him enough to really get to know him. When we were dividing up his stuff, I found a bow and arrow set that had a fishing reel attached to it. Did you know that there was bow fishing? I didn't even know that was thing a thing. I mean, I could fish if I could just, you know, shoot them, right? That sounds cool. You fishies want to play rough. Say hello to my little friend. Whew, yeah, that's what I can. That's what I call fishing. But but that doesn't work in this situation if we're helping Jesus with his mission. We're supposed to be fishers of men, not hunters of men, not beating them over the head with the Bible. So here's what Jesus said: you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light on a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. It needs to be salty, but not too salty. The first sermon I gave this year, the year of first steps as we're calling it, was to get lit Act like you're lit and help others get lit, okay? Some of you remember that. So, so how, though, how? This is what I want to talk about today. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to, I'm going to borrow from a really bad phrase that gets used in a lot of really bad ways, and I'm going to redeem it today, okay? You do you. I mean, usually when people are saying that, it's like, hey, you, you know, you believe whatever you want to believe, and I'll believe whatever I want to believe. You do you. But, but listen to this. Let's redeem it. When you get really serious about following Jesus, there are two bad extremes that will really mess up your witness to Jerusalem. This is what we talked about last time. We're supposed to witness to our area first. We're supposed to be a witness to our area first, okay? And and one extreme is that there's no fruit of Jesus in your life at all. There should be, this is the first series of the year, more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control right there should be more of that because we've been farming it because we're filled with the spirit but the other extreme is that you change completely and you turn into a holy roller and you've got too much salt okay you've got too much light so here's what I I just let me just put it this way okay get lit act like you're lit but don't be burning man all right do you follow me When someone describes someone else to me as being on fire for Jesus, I'm always excited and nervous at the same time. I get it. I like it. Just please don't burn anyone. So let me explain by showing what I mean by you do you, okay? This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the different things that might relate. I'm going to give you six different ways, approaches, to be able to talk to other people about Jesus, all right? Number one is Peter's confrontational approach, all right? Peter did not mince words. When Jesus asked the disciples who they thought he was, it was Pete who said, you are the Christ, the son of God. I mean, he was just that guy that was always right there, always impetuous, always right there. When Jesus was walking on the water, who was it that said, hey, let me try that? It was Peter, okay? And he, and he, I mean, at least he got out of the boat, right? No, nobody else did. That was Peter. I'm going to show you a little snapshot of Peter. I love his character in The Chosen. Here you go. Stay
6: down, Simon. Come on, Simon
7: what was it you were saying? Something
3: about your sister you think if you keep hitting me hard enough, I won't be married to her anymore?
7: I will stop fighting you. You will? But my brother won't. Your brother?
0: Simon.
8: Help! 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 Don't you hello love me. I don't understand what's happening. Nothing is not salt to market. Your hours are upside down and your face is frozen in worry. Don't tell me nothing is happening.
7: I worked for hours last night and. I couldn't even catch one fish the entire night. And this morning we finally gave up and we went ashore. But there was this teacher on shore and then. So many fish showed up. They were pouring into the boat. So many kept coming that, that Zebedee ended up filling both of our boats, enough to pay off the whole debt. And then and then he called me to follow him and to go where he goes and, and to learn from him. And he said that I wouldn't be a fisherman anymore, but that I would catch people instead. I don't even know what that means, but I'm sure what I saw. He's the one we've been waiting for all our lives, and I want to quit fishing and leave the sea behind to go. I can protect the others.
3: In time you win don't have families, you do. <laughs> can you believe this? There's a crowd going out there, and we need to decide what to
7: do. Thank hey, you. you
2: take it to him. Make nice.
7: With that company? I'll talk to them. I'll talk to them. Simon, you don't have to be his bodyguard. I think he can handle anything. Yeah, well, he called me. And if we're not fighting the Romans yet, I want to do something until that time comes. I you to catch men. I don't know what that means. Exactly. And if he needed you to know what that meant, he would have told you. So just... Just be you. Okay?
4: Just be you. All right? Now now think about this, okay? This is Simon Peter... He's, he's, the, he's the fighter guy. He's the, he's, the, he's the guy that can't really control his mouth. He can't control his temper very well. We get to the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is getting arrested. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, why is he the only disciple who's carrying, right? I mean, don't you wonder, right? He got his permit. He's got his sword, right? And he struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. You want to arrest Jesus? Say hello to my little friend. This is Peter, okay? You got me? And God used Peter and his personality. I'm pretty passionate about this because I'm Peter, (laughs) okay? God used Peter and his personality to lead the early church and be the spokesman for the church at the very beginning, right? Peter the rock, sometimes Peter the rock head, right? And and then you get to Jesus' resurrection and, and, and the crowd is gathered around, right? And Peter goes in and preaches and what does he say? therefore let all of israel be assured god made this jesus whom you crucified to be lord and christ and they said oh what should we do what should we do peter and peter didn't mince words did he he said you need to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit and what happened Three thousand people got saved the very first day, and the church started and exploded with Peter's confrontational approach, okay? And like I said, I mean, I I can do Peter, okay? That's my personality. I'll cut off an ear if I need to, and I'll shoot straight with you. You need to repent and be baptized next weekend, okay? And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What are you waiting for? That's one approach, okay? And I would just say, from experience, if, if that's you, you do you, but you know, after 60 years, I've learned to dial it down a little bit. Maybe it could happen for you a little quicker. Okay, here we go. Peter's confrontational approach or Paul's intellectual approach. Paul was very intelligent. He was trained at the best schools. He could be confrontational, but he was really good at laying out a good explanation for God. That's why he wrote most of the New Testament. Peter wrote a little bit, but Paul wrote a lot more. And listen to Paul when Paul gets into a place. This is the difference in in, in doing um, Christianity and preaching in a in a churched culture versus an unchurched culture. So to me, Peter was preaching to the 1950s, and Paul is preaching to 2022 because he's in a place where they believe in all kinds of stuff. And here's what he said. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, okay? Um, What he meant by that was they had statues to every kind of God there was all around for, as I walked around and looked at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. I mean, they wanted to make sure they had all their bases covered. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we got that God, that God, all those gods. And wait, there might be one we forgot. Okay, let's have one to the unknown God. So what does Paul do? He's like, oh, wait, I'm going to use that. Now, what you worship is something unknown. I'm going to proclaim to you. Because guess what? There is an unknown God to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And he used this intellectual approach to help people find their way back to God. I've got some good friends that are really good at that, okay? You study, you understand what's going on out there in the world, and when somebody has an intellectual argument, you can sit and talk to them. Lee Strobel, who will be here again in the fall, wrote The Case for, Ca- C- Case for Christ and The Case for Faith. A couple of great books. Case for Christ is a great book to give somebody that's struggling with that. Or Mere Christianity from C.S. Lewis. Here's what the Bible says. He says, the Bible says, um, on the next page, the Bible says, concentrate on doing your best for God. Work so that you don't, do work that you're not ashamed of, laying out the truth, plain and simple, okay? Laying out the truth, plain and simple, there it is. Concentrate on your best for God. Do work that you won't be ashamed of and lay out the truth, plain and simple. That's what you do, okay? It's not that hard, you guys. I was on a plane recently and I felt really prompted by by God to open up and share Christ with the guy next to me. And so I just did it, I said, you know, hey, You know, we'd talk in small talk, and I said, you know, I just went for it. I'm like, so, if you died tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? Long story short, you know where that guy is today? He's in our service, right back there. Would you stand up? Yeah, there's nobody back there. I'm just yanking your chain. (laughs) Uh -uh, I'm just just yanking your chain, there's nobody back there. The people back there were like, what's he Was It me. (laughs) People online were like, oh, I hope they show him. I hope it was Eminem and Tid t- rapping with him or something. No, no. I was sitting by our executive pastor, Bill Brown, and he already has Jesus, okay? But for a minute there, I had you, didn't I? I? I had you, you thought I was super pastor and you're not worthy to be in my presence, right? And you were feeling guilty for a little bit, just a minute, right? Like, Man, I could never talk to anybody on the plane. Guess what? You probably don't need to talk to anybody on the plane, all right? I mean, be nice, and if the conversation happens, then make it happen. But but you do you. Here's another idea, okay? Sorry, that was just fun. Matthew's party approach. Now some of you are like, wait, wait, wait. I'm not doing Peter, I'm not doing Paul, but I can do Matthew, right? He's the most unlikely fisher of men there is. He's a tax collector. Everybody hates him except for the other tax collectors and the other outcasts of community. So what does he do? He, he throws a party, right, for all of his non-Christian friends, all my friends are going to be there too, except it's not a highway to hell. It's a, it's a party for heaven, a stairway, if you will. No, 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 go away. We're not doing classic rock every week, okay, for crying out loud. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> Then Matthew, listen to this. Then Matthew had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. I love that. Tax collectors, bad people, and others. Like other bad people. Do you get it? So, what did Matthew do? I mean, like he's just started following Jesus five minutes ago, and he maximized his current relationships. It's what my my, my friend Mark Middleberg calls barbecue first. He says, always barbecue first. Always invite people over for a you gotta get to know them first, okay? Have a party. This is why we do alpha. If you don't know what alpha is, it's like a, a study for people who are interested in the things of Jesus but, but really don't know much about him yet. And they want to ask questions. And we do it in bars. And you know what? Our team was at a conference with other alpha people recently, and everybody was like, you've got to be kidding. You're doing it in bars? Because they're all from, you know, like Dallas and stuff, and they can't get away with it. And they were blown away. But we're, our team was like, of course we're doing it in bars. Where else would you go? Where else would you want those people to feel comfortable? That's exactly where it is. And here's here's what I need you to understand. They did a survey recently and they asked, how do people come to a relationship in Christ? And it went like this. Cold turkey witness, guy on the the plane, 2%. 6% walk into church, maybe that's you today, we're glad you're here. 8% had a pastor connection somehow. 10% it was a church program of some kind. And 74% it was friends and relatives. You do you, okay? Okay. Paul said, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. I I love the story that I stole from a youth pastor one time who was trying to help his kids understand um, their testimony and what was going on in their testimony. And he he took two different boxes and he said, listen, I know that for some of you, that it is like it's really difficult for you to think about doing anything for Jesus because your life is so messed up and you've already already had so many problems in your life and your friends and your neighbors they all know that already and so you're like well how can i talk to other people about Jesus if i'm the one that's really already messed up so he took one box and he beat it all up like i just did and he took another box that was really whole like that and we're going to turn the lights down just a little bit Okay? And here's what he did. He said, okay, if that's the light of Jesus, and your light, your life is pretty well put together and you've never had very many problems, that's wonderful. But if that's the light of Jesus, and you do have a few holes and a few cracks and a few spots, it's easier for the light to come through. So be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. And if you're a tax collector, stop being a tax collector, okay, and follow Jesus. But just remember that the other people who are in your situation are going to look at you and and they're going to go, well, I guess that person has been where I've been, okay? Okay. Some of you are worried that you can't help people find Jesus because your life is too messed up. It's Matthew, okay? Um, the fourth approach is Philip's invitational approach, okay? Just come and see, all right? This is why we make it very easy for you to invite people to come and be a part of Parkview, okay? We want to make it really, really easy, and this is born out of a, out of a passion that my wife and I have, because we both grew up in churches, and you probably did too, that, that you would not have wanted to invite your friends to, Okay, it it, it wasn't, her parents were were leaders in her church and my parents were leaders in our church. It's just the way it was, right? You just didn't want to invite your friends to that church because it was going to be really boring. So we've made sure that we do everything we can to make sure that this place is not boring. And I, like two days ago, had a woman come up to me and said, I'm so thankful for this church. I finally found a, a church my husband would enjoy going to. Score, that's our goal. That's what I want to have happen, all right? So watch Philip as he just it keeps encouraging, come and see, and you'll understand.
3: So what are you doing here? <laughs> I thought you
7: were out making enemies all over the place. I'm about to make a whole lot more enemies all over the place. John sent me to someone new. You sure know how to pick him. He's not just anyone.
3: That's what you said about the
7: baptizer. And I was right. But this is more. Mm. This is who the baptizer has been preparing us for. Mm. Nathaniel. He's the one. The one? The one who Moses foretold and the prophets said would come. The what? The one. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph.
1: Nazareth. (laughs) Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Oh,
3: (laughs) little dump on a craggy hilltop. I'm serious. (laughs) No paved roads, no public buildings. (laughs) They barely have a synagogue. You can't. You really can't. (laughs) Hey, I'm just telling it like it is. Why can't I do that? Because you're mean. The families, illiterate day laborers and peasants, by the way, sleep under the same roof as their livestock. Listen to me. Honestly, Philip, saying the one is a Nazarene is practically heresy. Just
7: come and see. What? You gonna be late for work?
1: Wow. That's dark. <laughs> so dark.
7: Your whole life, you've wanted to serve God. To meet the Son of God, the King of Israel. I promise you will not regret it. And if you do, I'll refund your misery. I know you. You don't mess around. You will want to join him. He's like no rabbi who ever has been or will be.
3: I've never seen you talk like this. I'm still hung up on the Nazareth of all.
7: and see.
4: I know, I know, I love that scene. Just come and see, man. If, if it's not what you think, I'll refund your misery, okay? Just come and see. I've already showed the clip of the Samaritan woman a couple of different times. She runs off and says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She doesn't even say he is. She just says, could this be the Christ? And they made they came out of the town and made their way towards him. Okay? And then listen, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, so they asked Jesus to stay. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, "We no longer believe just because of what of you said, be, because of what you said, now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Now we have heard for ourselves." Okay, it's got to get that way for everybody, for all of us, for your children, for anybody else. It has to become theirs. But it starts by you saying, hey, come and see. Just come and see. Five, Dorcas. Dorcas' servant approach, okay? In Joppa, there was a disciple named Dorcas who was always doing good and helping the poor. Maybe you don't have Peter's confrontational ability, maybe you don't have Paul's intellect or Philip's courage, but you can fix a car or make a meal or watch kids or do something to love someone. Cal Thomas famously said, love talked about is easily ignored, but love demonstrated is irresistible. Listen to this story, a missionary serving in India back in the 70s. Tuberculosis forced me into a hospital, and I did not yet even speak the language, he said. And, and, and I had tracks. He said, I had, I had literature that was written in their language, and I tried to give it to the patients and the doctors around this hospital, and everyone politely refused. But I was in there with them because of the tuberculosis. He said, the first few nights, I woke up around 2 a.m. coughing for some reason. One morning during the coughing spell, I noticed an older and sicker patient across the aisle trying to get out of bed. He'd sit on the edge of the bed, try to stand up, and finally fell back in bed, exhausted, and I heard him crying softly. The next morning I realized that the man had been what the man had been trying to do. He had been trying to get up and walk to the bathroom, and he couldn't do it. The stench in our ward was awful. The other patients yelled insults at him. Angry nurses moved the man roughly from side to side as they cleaned up the mess. The old man curled into a ball and wept. The next night I woke up coughing, 2 a.m. I noticed the man across the aisle sit up and try to stand again. This time I got out of bed and I went over to him and I smiled and I put my arms under him and I picked him up. He was very light due to old age and advanced TB. I carried him to the washroom, which was a filthy small room with a hole in the floor. And after he finished, I picked him up and carried him back to his bed. And as I laid him down, he kissed me on the cheek. And he smiled and he said something I couldn't understand. The next morning, another patient woke me up and handed me a steaming cup of tea. He motioned with his hands that he wanted one of my tracks, one of my pieces of literature. Other patients also wanted my booklets, and I had to distribute all of them. Throughout the day, nurses and interns and doctors asked for literature. Weeks later, an evangelist who spoke the language visited me, and he started talking to them, and he discovered that several people had put their faith in Christ because they'd read the literature. Serving a broken world, he said, does involve sending missionaries to foreign lands, but it also includes doing something ourselves to help the people around us. Our simple acts of service can preach the love of Christ far more effectively than the most eloquent words. Number six, the healed man's testimonial approach. All right, just watch this scene.
3: I'm asking about you.
6: (laughs) I've tried.
3: For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here.
7: Why? (laughs) I'm free to walk like he said don't forget your bed
3: why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here, that life is over. Everything changes now. You! it's Shabbat. What are you doing? Torah forbids carrying a mat on Shabbat.
7: Not Torah, the oral
1: tradition.
3: Yes, transporting objects from one domain to another violates Shabbat. The man who healed. Do you not realize what just happened here? Why are you trying to make this about Shabbat? He said to me, "Take up your bed and walk." Who did? Who told you that? He did. I I don't know, he didn't tell me his name. No. Of course not. He performs a magic trick and tells you to commit a sin. A false prophet. This will be reported. Report whatever you want. I'm standing on two legs.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry, I, I need to go find my brother.
4: Look, I don't know, I don't know who you are. I don't care what you think. Here's my tes- here's my testimony, okay? Someone can disagree with your approach or question your beliefs, but they can't discount the testimony of a changed life, right? Effective testimonies don't have to be crazy, but if people know you, I once was blind but now I see, that's the kind of thing that they're listening for, right? The man who was born blind, it was the same thing, it was the same story. But they said the the neighbor's man's the man's neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begged, begging asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed it was others. And, he said, and others said, no, it only looks like him. Okay. Here's the opportunity. He could have walked away right then if he wanted to, but he himself insisted, I am the man. I am the man. How then will your eyes open? I don't know. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go slow and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Notice something very important here. He doesn't try to be a theologian. He doesn't say, well, the incarnate son of God came to earth, and he has power from on high, because although he is fully man, he is fully God, and he graciously healed my infirmities. He didn't say that. He said, I don't know. Where is this man? He said, say it with me. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to keep coming back to this. He did not try to answer questions he didn't have. Many people don't want to share their story because they're afraid of the hard questions. Well, what about suffering? Well, what about the Old Testament wars? What happened to the dinosaurs? Is Putin the Antichrist? Practice this with me. I don't know. I don't know. A second time, they summoned him, it says, and they said, give glory to God. They said, we know this man is a sinner. And he said, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But here's what I do know. I was blind, and now I see. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I added that. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the best witness answer anyone ever gave. A lot of stuff I don't know. But I was one way, and now I'm another. Peter said, you are God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him and to tell others the difference he has made for you. Mary Magdalene in a clip that we showed with Jody a couple of weeks ago, I was one way and now I'm different. And listen, we'd love to hear your story. If you text story to 65649, just, just let us know. We want to connect with you. We'd love to hear your story and help you with it as you're reaching out to other people, as your witness is going to other people. We'd love to capture your story. But whether it's Peter's confrontational approach or Paul's intellectual or Matthew's party approach or Philip's invitational or Dorcas's servant or the Helig Band's testimonial approach, Our job is to be a witness in Jerusalem. Our job is to make sure people know that God loves them. In Donald Miller's book, Blue Like Jazz, he tells about a friend, Penny, who became a Christian. And she became a Christian because of her friend, Nadine. And here's what Penny said, it's a quote in his book. The thing I loved about Nadine was that it never felt like she was selling anything. She would talk about God as if she knew him, And if she had talked to him on the phone that day. Penny said, some Christians I had encountered felt like they had to sell God. As if he was soap or a vacuum cleaner. And it's like they really weren't listening to me. Like they didn't care. They just wanted me to buy their product. But Nadine made me feel like if I met Jesus, he would really like me. I can't explain how freeing that was. To realize that if I met Jesus, he would really like me. How hard is that? You know it's true, and you know a whole lot of people don't believe it. So invite them to Easter. It's going to be fantastic. The Website's on the inside. There's some candy in there. I want to encourage you. I know a lot of you have done it already. But get a Parkview sticker, put it on your car. You'd be amazed how many times you'll see another one when you're driving around and people will know. People know what's, what's going on at Parkview and they may actually see the sticker on your car and ask you a question. Please drive carefully, but, you know, put the sticker on your car. What is it that you can do? Can you serve? Can you give, it, can you give a story about your life? Can you say, come and see? This is what we were put on the planet to do. Would you stand? We're going to close out in prayer. I'm going to send you on your way to be a witness. God, I want to pray for all of us. I thank you for I thank you for the example of how to be us because I know a lot of times it feels like when somebody talks about sharing you with other people that we have to be Peter or we have to be Paul or we have to talk to some stranger on a plane or go knock on a door and, and Lord those might work every once in a while but I know that the, the easiest way to help the people that we love the most to find you is just to be us and let them see what you've done in our lives. Lord, if there are people here who don't have you, I pray that they know that this is a place where they are safe to come and ask the questions. And nobody's going to beat them over the head with the Bible And and nobody's going to strong arm them. We just want to love them. And we just want them to know that not only does God love the world so much he gave his only son, but that you, Jesus, actually like them. Because I know you do. It's in your name that we pray. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May he make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift his countenance upon us and give us peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen. Thanks for being here.